Welcome to the WrestleBall Podcast. We are your host, as always. My name is JT. Joining me is my good friend, Marky B. What's up, guys? Uh, good show in store today. We've got a lot of things we want to talk about. Well, obviously, we're going to start off with our Raptors weekly roundup. Um, but uh, with that, I want to talk a little bit about the coaching for this year because we've seen some really good coaching this year um, across a lot of teams. I want to talk a little bit about Cade Cunningham and the Detroit Pistons and some of the Western Conference teams as well. And over on the wrestling side, AEW had quite the uh, entertaining dynamite with a lot of things that happened. Although, personally, in my opinion, the show itself was a little eh. Um, but a lot of stuff did happen. Uh, new champions, uh, big signings, and uh, we'll get into that into the second half of the show. So, uh, yeah, let's begin with, uh, I guess, the Raptors. Last week, we talked a bit about how they've been a bit streaky, had those two losses to Orlando and uh, Detroit. Bounce back with two road wins against very good teams, obviously the uh, Suns and uh, the Denver Nuggets yesterday. Uh, Mark, what do you make of this? How do you feel about the Raptors since the win over Denver yesterday? Um, I mean, in my sentiments last week uh, were that I wasn't worried about the Raptors and they were just coming off the break. So they were just, it was just a matter of time before they. Um, Got back on, you know, full strength and all aboard. Gary Trent Jr. is back doing what he does. And Pascal Siakam, again, is is playing sort of how he was before the All-Star break. So it was very encouraging to see uh, beating teams like Denver and Philadelphia, uh, Phoenix. Both teams are facing a lot of injuries right now, too. So it's a little unfair. But at the same time, both teams are playing well. So they are both Western Conference playoff teams. So... Uh, it's great to see that on a road trip, we could capitalize on teams like Phoenix and Denver right off the bat um, and helping us hopefully get that uh, ultimate sixth seed because I think at this point, it's not worth it to be in the play-ins. It's a little too dangerous with the Nets there. And again, the Nets could also go on a run. But uh, for all things Raptors, it's looking like it's coming together again. Yeah, I mean, the Nets win over the Sixers. Uh, was it this past week? Yeah, this past week uh, was... You know, just a statement to the league that <laughs> don't forget about them. So absolutely don't want to play them in the, the play-ins. Uh, to touch on a couple of your points here, um, GTJ was obviously just on fire against the Suns. Uh, without him, we definitely would not have won. But he kind of reverted again back uh, yesterday's game in Denver. I think he shot like uh, 300, like .3 something. Uh, shooting wasn't great yesterday. Um who I wanted to talk about, uh, who I felt was really good over both those games, was Scotty Barnes. This guy is really, like, without getting plays run for him and all that stuff, um, he's been amazing as a rookie, just doing all the little things that help us win. It seems like he can, def like, much like Gary Trent Jr., he deflects balls like crazy. His hands are so long. Um, and it was a huge win against Denver yesterday without Fred Van Vliet, which uh, I wanted to mention as well because, I mean, Fred Van Vliet, would you put him as our top player or second, you know, tied with Pascal maybe? Yeah, he's probably um, a little a little above Pascal. Um, he's giving you second-round fantasy value. I'm not saying Pascal's not, uh, but Pascal might be seen more as a third or lower, but I think it's a, he's a probably a solid third choice. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. Um, now, what when when we talk about the Raptors, uh, especially these last two victories, what I really wanted to get into was the coaching. Uh, we talked about this all week about how 
crazy Nick Nurse can be sometimes, and it really paid off over these last two games, uh, starting with the Suns game. They went they went big in the start of the fourth fourth quarter because we were kind of destroying them in that third, and uh, they they put on uh, De, um, Ayton, DeAndre Ayton and um, Bismack Biombo which is, you know, obviously a crazy pairing, two big guys. And they actually started getting some success, took the lead a little bit. And what does Nick Nurse do? He puts in Ken Birch, who has, by all accounts, has not been great this season and since the injury, since returning from injury. But he puts him in there. Uh, Birch went in there, made a key layup, and played some big defense. And we end up winning that game. Uh, similar to yesterday, uh, Denver's game. What did Matty D call it? I think he called it uh, the 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 big B lineup because we had uh, Boucher, Banton, um, Ken Birch, and um, Scotty Barnes. Barnes along with Thaddeus Young. That was the team that got us back. <laughs> that was the squad that got us back into this game, which we were down, I think, like six, and all of a sudden we were up like six uh, by the time they pulled uh, Banton out and brought Pascal back in. Uh, and GTJ was nowhere to be seen in this fourth quarter because obviously Nick Nurse just likes to ride the hot hand. Um, but yeah, that coaching was incredible. Like, how do you feel about Nick Nurse's coaching this year or just in general? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he did win a championship. Albeit with Kawhi, but yeah, he's still a good coach. Um, that lineup is pretty good. I mean, Thaddeus Young has really meshed our team really well. Him being a journeyman now, so I think a lot of what he does is help uh, defensively anchor the team. So, uh, really smart on Nick Nurse to acknowledge that someone may be struggling, but it's still useful and can be useful in a lineup. Um, rest in peace, Malachi Flynn. When I say that, <laughs> I um, think he's injured but, right uh, now too. Yeah, he is injured. But I'm, I wasn't too big on. I was big on him at the beginning of the season, not so much now. But uh, Nick Nurse gives opportunity where opportunity is due. So yeah, um, Nick Nurse is still one of the leading coaches in the NBA. He's the new age of coaches in the NBA. Now that said, I want to shout out Greg Popovich on becoming the winningest coach in all of NBA history, passing Don Nelson. Uh, who famously coached, uh, I believe the last team he coached before he left was the Nuggets, but he did coach uh, Golden State for a little while as well. He was actually part of that Golden State team, the eighth seed that beat the first seeded Dallas Mavericks with Dirk Nowitzki um, during his MVP year. So um, congratulations, Greg Popovich. Uh, you've probably accomplished something that no one will for a very long time. And then that was... Um Against a pretty good team, I believe. I think it was Utah that they got that uh, victory in. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Greg Popovich, who knows? He probably doesn't have much time left in, in this league. But Well, considering the Spurs are 12th place right now, I mean, if both um, uh, Portland and uh, what was the other team that's supposed to tank uh, in the 10th place? Uh, New Orleans. New Orleans both have plans to tank. Uh, Spurs could be a, become a competitor in, in the play-in, and I think they'd like to be a play-in team. I mean, DeJounte Murray's playing really well. They don't really have anyone else on that team, uh, so they wouldn't really be competitive, I think, in my opinion. I mean, it's very possible. They'd face the Lakers first round. I don't think you're going to beat LeBron James, who's become um, out of his prime but become Wagyu steak. Yes, when you told me so. that yesterday, like, perfect analogy. I It wasn't mine. I got it, I got it <laughs> off a comment. That's why I actually... Copied and pasted it, but it went, yeah, it went right over your head. But I yeah, was like, it really did. I was like, whoa, 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 this guy's not, uh, this guy's not done yet. This guy yeah. just put up a 50 piece. And then, 
Um, yeah, well, I mean, everybody knows that Wagyu is just aged. perfectly aged to perfection. Yeah, aged and tastes great or it's still good. Yeah, so, um, yeah, no, great point. So with talking about Nick Nurse's coaching this year, what I wanted to get into was my second question here is coach of the year candidates. Um, I don't think Nick Nurse is a, like, I don't think he's a real true contender for coach of the year, although I do have him in my top five. So, like, who are your top five coach of the year candidates? Top five? Yeah. Um, probably, I would say right now. Um, and you can start off with your front runner because I'm assuming you have a front runner. Sort of. I mean, I would say it's a three way tie. Uh, you Ooh. could give it to Spolstra on the Heat, first place in the East major injuries across the board. Bam was missing at the beginning of the year. Jamie Butler's missed a ton of games, including now he's missing more games. Lowry's been out for a, you know, a good chunk of games, and they're still first. So it's very impressive what he's been able to do. He has a style similar to Nick Nurse where he trusts all his players. All his players grind out, and they work very hard. Um, the second coach I'll talk about is um, uh, the Phoenix Suns coach. Uh, Monty Williams. Monty Williams. Um, he probably deserved it last year as well. Um, again, uh, he they met the um, Phil Jackson requirement for, you know, was it 40? 40 wins before 20, 20 losses. losses. Um, I mean, they still don't even have 20 losses. So I think actually this year only two teams qualified uh, under that, uh, that rule, which was the Suns and I'm assuming Golden State, uh, but it was two Western Conference teams. Right, so um, we can give it to Monty Williams of the Spurs, and I think the other coach is the Memphis Grizzly coach. Uh, Memphis is currently in second place. Ooh, um, I don't even know who. Uh... And uh, Ja is obviously playing amazingly. We had the debate whether or not uh, he should be a first-round fantasy draft pick, uh, but we think we agreed that he probably is. Let me just find this coach really fast. I forget his name. Yeah, that's Taylor Jenkins. Wow, man! Like I, I drew a blank. I actually had no idea. Who I didn't know who he was. Yeah. I, I don't remember his name, but Taylor Jenkins is the coach uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies. There, um, John Moran was out of the beginning of the season. Triple J came around to play like All Star level. Dylan Brooks has been gone most of the season as well. Um, but Desmond Bain, guys like Desmond Bain, has picked it up, slowed down a little bit now. But that's to be expected with someone who's popped off like this. He's a rookie too, right? Um, Desmond Bain, I believe. No. Or second year. Second, I think he's a sophomore. Okay. I could be wrong, but I think he's a sophomore. Gotcha. Um, and uh, he's done a phenomenal job in the West to bring that team to second place. Obviously, Jaws a big part of that too. Not taking anything away, but I think those are the three coaches I think that are up for. Um, Coach of the year, and then you can put the other guys in, like uh, Denver's coach Mike Malone, which I think he's done a great job with Jokic and basically missing all of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. What a, what just a sad like turn of events. And apparently, uh, I've heard that Jamal Murray isn't actually as close as a lot of people thought. Apparently, it's a 50-50 that he returns this season, which is crazy because most people thought him and Michael Porter Jr. would be ready for the playoffs. But um, I mean, it's not looking. Not looking great from that news, but hopefully, like I've seen clips of him shooting around, um, and it looks like I don't know. I guess it depends on how he feels, right? Because shooting around is a lot different from in game. But uh, and, yeah, I, I like Mike Malone a lot too. And my dark horse would be um, Jason Kidd on the Dallas Mavericks. I think Ooh. Dallas doesn't get enough credit for what they've done. Yeah, with basically nobody and trading a freaking star in Porzingis because it just wasn't working out. 
and getting Spencer Dinwiddie like a like a pseudo star um, who's there sometimes and not there other times. Uh, so like big ups to J Kid and Luka Doncic for you know not being a play-in team in the West. I mean it's literally just Luka. Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, it, it really is just Luka. Uh, the thing with the, that Mavericks team, I will say, though, is Luka kind of has, like, I mean, even with KP there, it's always been Luka and the other guys, right? So he has that kind of chemistry built in. It's not like, not as much adversity as I would say uh, Jokic faces when, obviously, you lose two guys that you're used to playing with. Um those are actually interesting can- uh, candidates. It sounds like you went a lot based off of team records, which is completely fair. Um, I'm going to give you my list. Um, I'll give you my reasoning. A lot of it's stuff that you touched on as well. Uh, my front runner for me is personally Spolstra. I think, like you mentioned, what he's done without a full lineup. Like throughout the year, they've had no Bam, no Butler, no Lowry. Uh, you know, Duncan Robinson's playing like garbage, <laughs> and 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 somehow they're first in the East. All right, like that definitely. You know, you've got my eyes uh, there, uh, Spolstra. Um, the other candidates I would have probably second. I would probably have Monty Williams just because the Phoenix Suns have not lost a step, even without Chris Paul. They they're still so dangerous. They look so good, and and just the way they play, they play with the veracity that you see in certain teams like. I see that in the Raptors that you can always stay competitive. Um, even the you know the Denver Nuggets games they lose they're losing by like a couple of, of points, right? So uh, I got uh, Monty Williams there. Um, I got Tyrone Lou there. I honestly think what he's managed to do with this Clippers squad, which is basically the suicide squad because they're they don't have their main guys, um, and they're somehow managing to take a group that's led by what? Who's their best player right now? Reggie Reggie Jackson, um, and and they're in eighth, I believe, um, and you know, well ahead of the Lakers who are in ninth. Uh, which is crazy to me. Do I think they're going to make a deep, deep playoff run? Probably not. But um, you know what he's managed to do is incredible to me. Um, I you know I, I probably would put Steve Kerr there as well, just because um, the Warriors are still really good. The same thing with the Warriors. It seems to be less about coaching and more about the core. Yeah. Like you need Draymond Green there more than you need Steve Kerr. No offense. It's and that's it, always been sort of the question with Kerr, right? Because a lot of people had him. Um, you know, well, if we talk about just top three coaches of all, um, currently in the NBA, not coach of the year, but a lot of people have them there. Um, and you're right. Like, at what point do we differentiate between the coaching and, and, and the players? Like, how do you personally see it? Because I know that you were pretty high on Steve Kerr um, last year. Has your opinion changed from last year? or? I think he's still good. I think it's just. Would you put him year. as a top three coach? I don't know, maybe. Um, they are, what are they, third place? I think they're, yeah, they might get, be tied for a second again. I mean, I didn't put in my coach of the year, so I guess not. Yeah. So. Uh, well, I mean, coach of the year and, and, and. Of all time, I mean, Greg Popovich is your not, all Not time. all time, but like best coach. Like if you were to yeah. start a franchise, who would you want as your coach? Huh, that's a tough question. Um, who would I want? I don't know. Spolstra seems like a pretty good Spolstra, choice. yeah, I agree. I think Spolstra's probably Spolstra the guy. Spolstra and Nick Nurse is probably yeah. okay, too. I mean, um, you need guys that, that know how to work with less. Those are the guys that seem to know. Steve Curry's kind of a tricky one because uh, the year they only had Steph Curry, it just that, that was just a terrible team. and It really was. Um, even with just Dre and Steph last year, it was still a hard team. 
Uh, but with Dre, with Clay and Steph, and then all the other pieces, it's been really good. Jordan Poole's been really good. Um, Incredible. I have him on my fantasy, by the way. He's just lighting it up. Yeah. Well, when Clay's struggling, Jordan Poole like, is still like in rhythm. And Clay's going to have these instances where he... Uh, just doesn't do as well. And and then you're going to have days like yesterday where they both go off. I think uh, he uh, Clay had eight threes and Poole had five threes. Like, right. sheesh. And then you have Andrew Wiggins on the side there. But I think everyone's going to benefit with Draymond coming back. So Draymond's really more like the floor general coach. Steve Kerr definitely there. But Steve Kerr, I think, is to a left, lesser extent. Someone was saying, especially with a team like the Brooklyn Nets, there's not much coaching that needs to be done because you literally have two ball handlers and Kyrie Irving and KD who can bring up the ball and create a play, whether they're passing the ball or they're driving the ball or they end up shooting the ball. So there's not much coaching you have to do with those two guys, but everyone else sort of has to know how to shift in the favor of Kyrie or getting the pass from Kyrie or KD or getting the rebound from Kyrie or KD or whatever. So coaching is a little different when you have superstars like that. For sure. Um, you sort of let them go. And I think Nick Nurse with Ka- Kawhi Leonard was sort of the same. He mostly coached most of the other, the outside guys, and Kawhi Leonard sort of just came in and did what he had to do. So understanding that too is very important. But yeah, um, I think it's a lot less on Steve Kerr. That, that's a good point. Uh, I will on. say though, uh, Golden State probably has some of the best ball movement in, in the NBA. Um, even though they do have superstars in in, in um, Curry, obviously, but Curry can play off ball too, and, and we see that a lot. It's not always – It's I, w- I wouldn't liken it as much as the Brooklyn Nets where everything grows through Katie and Kyrie. Uh, Golden State, you know, they have a lot of ball movement. They pass that thing around like crazy, and, and Steph Curry is one of the best off-ball movers. He's always moving. Um, just to round up my top five here, I, I would go with um, Mike Malone as well. I think what he's done with Denver, like obviously Jokic is playing at an MVP level, but when you're out two of your top three guys and managing to do what you do, uh, you got to give some credit to the coaching there as well. Um, let's go back to Golden State a little bit because I do want to talk about the return of Draymond Green. Uh, you have him fantasy. He's been having a pretty solid fantasy year this year, but I think more so than his stats, this guy's just he may he might be the leader of the team. Yeah, um, he him and LeBron James are very similar in that sense, where they quarterback the team. Draymond is not only the defensive anchor; he's the offensive anchor. Um, he helps Steph Curry and Klay Thompson out. It's going to be interesting to see him and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson play together for the first time since Clay's got since since Clay went down in 2019. So um, it's going to be extremely interesting to see what happens. But yeah, I mean, by all accounts, Draymond's averaging over a steal and a block a game um, toward the toward the end of him right before he got injured. Sorry, um, he was playing pretty well himself, you know, and it's. Field goal percentage was really high. Unfortunately, his free throw wasn't as high, but I guess it, he didn't take many free throws anyway. So he was more a facilitator and defensive anchor, which takes a lot of pressure off everybody else. Now, how, how do you think their starting lineup is going to look? You think Jordan Poole moves back to the bench? I think Jordan Poole goes back to the bench. Uh, he'll probably be six man because you need someone on that second unit to help out. Um, you'll have Steph, Clay, Dre, Wiggins, and then a center. Yeah, probably Kevon Looney or Kevon Looney yeah. or, or, or whatnot. They're still waiting for um, what's his face to come back, the rookie. Uh, oh, Wiseman. Yeah, but he doesn't look like he's too healthy right now. So well, I was gonna say the rookies this. from this year look like they're they're showing up, like Kuminga and uh, yeah, Kuminga has been good. I had him on my. Fantasy. I think who's their other guy? Moses Moody. 
Moses possibly. I can't remember who the other rookie is, but like these guys look like they're kind of stepping up. And I don't know. Well, like Wiseman had a rough rookie campaign. Obviously, he was not good last year. Well, they said they they knew this was coming because in college he only played like a very small handful of games. Anyway, I think it was like ten games or something like that. But they said he was NBA ready. I did play a few games in the NBA, but he did injure himself pretty badly because he's not used to that kind of schedule. And he's basically missed all of this year. So I think their hope is for him to be good next year. He's supposed to be a three-point rebounding. I really liked what I saw from him in terms of what the scouting report was. And I guess to a lesser extent what his stats were because he'd only play a handful of games. But he was supposed to be like a big part of... Uh, Golden State Warrior with Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay pushing for another title, but I don't think it's going to happen this year because I think he's too far gone this season. But I think he could be come back next season and help them out as well. But again, Clay, Dre, and Steph only have two more years after this year on their contracts. And as we all know, everyone's getting a little older. I mean, LeBron James is not even in the play; uh, is not even in the top eight seeds, um, and doesn't look like he'll even get there. To be honest, yeah. they're pretty far off from the Clippers. Yeah. So I mean, like. Everyone gets old and age hits everyone a little differently. And we saw that Steph Curry had a very strong start to the season. He slowed down quite a bit. Everyone said, you know, Draymond's not there to help him out. Fine. Uh, Clay Thompson came back really strong. He started to slow down. Obviously had the nice game yesterday. People again said, you know, Draymond's going to help his game out as well. And Wiggins struggled. Re- it's been struggling really badly without um, Draymond Green. So obviously when Draymond comes back, he's going to help him out as well. So, um yeah, Wiggins has to be the biggest, uh, I guess, the the person who's going to benefit the most from Draymond Green's return. I think Wiggins just been awful uh, since since the All-Star. I think they try to train... So Draymond took Wiggins under his wing, and I believe the plan was to train Wiggins to be like Draymond because of Wiggins' athleticism, which is a... You know, that's a fairly logical thing to do. I don't think it worked out that way because Draymond's not as defensive minor as he is more uh, athlete and a physical guy. Then Draymond's a more high IQ guy. Um, Kuka Monk, uh, Kum- Kuminga. Kuminga sort of looks like a Draymond type player. Uh, so I think that that might be the shift. Who can score, by the way? I think right. he's had a few games where he's like 20 plus points um, for a rookie and, and a yeah. rookie on a super deep squad. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty impressive. So I would like to see a small ball lineup with Poole in there Steph Curry, Poole, Clay, Draymond. And Andrew Wiggins. And I think you got to try it out too, um, especially if your net is just going to be out of control, which it probably will be with the amount of passing. So I'd like to see that lineup as well. Okay, let's um, let's move back to the Eastern Conference here. Um, another player I want to talk about: Cade Cunningham and the Detroit Pistons. Holy cow! So in the last ten games, uh, Cade is averaging twenty-two, seven point four rebounds, five point six assists, half a steal, and 0.4 blocks, with uh, almost two threes a game. The Detroit Pistons are six and four in their last ten, with some pretty impressive wins: uh, one over the Raptors, one over the Timberwolves. Um, what is going on here? <laughs> um, it's just a rook, a rook, the first round pick gaining steam getting used to the league getting used to losing not liking losing um i also think it's isaiah stewart who uh had a very hype campaign coming into the season completely fell off that bandwagon boat and has picked it up again too so that could be in part to kate cunningham um helping out teammates because he's a 
very tall point guard and he's a very good facilitator as well so things are just coming together a little better you're not hearing too much of jeremy grant for whatever reason i don't know why but he's not doing too bad either so the team's sort of coming around but like we you can sort of see this sort of thing happening after all-star break where teams that have drafted high that aren't making playoffs anyway start to burst out now and you sort of see these guys sort of come out i mean not that he's one of them, but Darren Fox is going nuts right now in the yeah. second half of the season. But that's also due in part to um, Tyrese Halliburton being traded to Indiana, who's also killing it, by the way, in Indiana. Yeah, um, Guys like Brogdon and Duarte are, have taken quite the hit. Oh, yeah. Um, so Duarte has just been like... Abysmal. Yeah, he's he's been a non-factor recently. But they don't need him because, again, Tyler Ty, Tyrese Halliburton is a very ball-dominant kind of guy, but, like, very good facilitator, very good point guard by all accounts, and very good NBA player. So, I mean, it is what it is at that point. Well, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting to see how he meshes with uh, Malcolm Brogdon because I feel like their games are... Similar. Are very similar. I think Brogdon might be gone. I think Brogdon is going to be a, a journeyman. Uh, I could so, see Brogdon becoming sort of like Mike Conley going to a good team that just needs a you know a good point guard, but yeah. not exactly a star point guard. Yeah, I think Halliburton is going to do to Darren... Uh, sorry, I, f- I think Halliburton is going to do to Brogdon what he did to Darren Fox, which basically just took him out of the equation. Killed sort him, of. yeah. And you see so, now how Darren Fox, Darren Fox is, is going crazy right going now. going off, yeah. So. Uh, going back to Detroit, though, what, what I find so interesting about this is Kate Cunningham obviously playing great. But do you honestly see anyone on that roster that they're going to keep if they're going to make a a championship round? Like guys like Sadiq Bey, guys like, uh, you know, Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart. These guys aren't going to be part of that core. I can't imagine. I I think Isaiah Stewart might be because there's a lot of hype with him for whatever reason. I don't know where this hype's coming from. He's a 6'8 power forward center. Like it doesn't really, really make sense. But he's supposed to have like really high defensive IQ I could see them maybe keeping him I think Jeremy Grant's going to be on the block soon I think they want to get rid of him um probably not what they were looking for uh but they did pay him they did pay him the bank so it is what it is but uh I, I just off the top of my head I can't really really think and hopefully I'm not forgetting anyone but yeah um Kate Cunningham possibly Isaiah Stewart but I think I agree with your point that Isaiah Stewart's just not really that much of a factor to Think about when you're trying to build a team or rebuild a team or create a championship team. Yeah, like I'm looking at all these guys and I'm thinking, which of these guys are going to be Detroit's core in the next, you know, three, four years? And I really can't see it. Maybe Jeremy Grant could be a part of that because he is a high, high scorer. But, um, you know, with Cade Cunningham sort of taking over that scoring role as well, even though he's a great, you know, phenomenal playmaker as well. Um, it just Jeremy Grant is a guy who I never really felt belonged in a, a winning core um he's better off suited in that well what, what was he playing like fourth ro- fourth man role in denver yeah uh, that's the kind of role i could see him if he were to be on a championship core um but he obviously he wants to get paid he wants to be a you know a top three uh type player on on his team so oh we forgot about marvin bagley the third who's been killing it on detroit nice <laughs> Marvin Bagley. Does anyone believe Marvin Bagley is going to be a core of any <laughs> any uh, you know as- aspiring team? You got to ask um, Sacramento uh, Kings owner. Who they take him over again? <sighs> Doncic for Doncic. sure. Yeah. For sure, I know they took him over. Doncic. They took him over someone else too. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, Detroit is a hot mess anyway. They just have they don't have enough pieces. They don't have the proper pieces, or they don't have cohesion. I don't know. They don't know how to win. 
That's always my gift with them. They don't know about they don't know about winning cultures, but they're ready to rest Jeremy Grant for some special reason last season. The um, youth movement. Yeah. Sorry, that's exactly what it was. The youth movement. But Jeremy Grant's young. So what you're going for the high school movement? Like what are you guys exactly doing here? I think there's a lot of things wrong with Detroit not concerning the players. I think you can have a decent team. You can have at least a play-in team. Not saying Marvin Bagley is the solution to your problems. He is a good player, though. Isaiah Stewart, um, Jeremy Grant, Cade Cunningham, Sadiqi Bey. Like, as much as we say Sadiqi Bey is not part of the movement, he's still averaging 16 points a game. These are guys that are contributing guys. I don't think the players are the problem. I think coaching is light, most likely, which is uh, uh, Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey, I don't yeah. think he's that great a coach. Um, I think he's very old school in, in, in the ways he do, he does stuff, and he's very back, and like it holds, holds guys back. But I also think, again, you guys need to bring in a winning culture as well, right? You guys want to be the bad boys? Be the bad boys. That, you know, something like that, some kind of attitude, some something, something. Um, but I don't think you guys have it. But yeah, you're more in line with youth, youth movements and resting people. You're not even in a play-in team. Like, what are you... Yeah, what are you aspiring to be? What are you aspiring? Like, start the winning culture now, right well, away. Yeah, right? well, we talk about the Lakers lacking a identity. Uh, Detroit's another team that I think also lacks an identity. Uh, but going back to Cade Cunningham, how do you feel about this kid? Like, he's going to obviously be a star. Who do you see him kind of resembling? I don't know. It's tough to say, um, only because it's pretty young, but also the fact that there's no one in Detroit besides Jeremy Grant. So he's just a good player on a bad team. So we don't know what his, what he's really capable of. Positive or negative, he might not be as good on a better team. He might be, um, but he also might just be exactly what they need. But he may not be a first option there. You know, what I mean, it's it's a push and pull thing. He'll have to figure that out soon um, because he'll he'll either want the money or he'll want to be in a competing team. Like for me, if you're on a team like Detroit or Sacramento as a rookie, I'll probably want to leave those kind of cultures because they don't they're not exactly winning cultures. Money is nice. If that's what you're in it for, then it's fine. Well, I think the thing with player empowerment now, too, is you sign the contract and you can always get traded after anyway. So he's going to get his money regardless. But, yeah, is he going to want to stay in Detroit? I don't know, man. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> I don't think so. Not if they don't build anything. I don't I don't see anything. I see a skeleton. I don't see any meat on it. So so when I look at Cade Cunningham, though, I see a little bit, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I see a little Luca in him. I honestly, uh, I, the way that they play the game at their own pace... Which is ironic because Luca's only 22. Yeah. And this guy's 18 or 19. Yeah. So yeah. Only but, three years apart. But I see a little Luke in him because they play the game at their own pace and they play it consistently, you know, from the start to the end. They don't, you know, they don't play in bursts. They're just consistently good throughout the, the game. Uh, Luca, I think, is a little bit obviously more wild than him um, and obviously way better at this point. But I do see a little uh, Luca in Cade. I think he's got that magic and. Uh, yeah, if they could put some like real pieces around him, I don't see why why not. You know, why couldn't Detroit be a good team in the future? But they have so many more problems outside of the players. That you're right, it's going to take a little bit uh, to get them back on track. Let's move on over to the Western Conference teams because we talked a lot about Eastern Conference teams last week. Uh, I do want to touch on the surging Timberwolves. Eight wins in the last 10. They had wins over, I think they beat Miami yesterday. Uh, they have wins over the Warriors, Cavs, and Grizzlies. This is a this is a good Timberwolves team. What do you think, man? Better late than never, I guess, is the, is the uh, slogan of the Timberwolves. They're doing this without Anthony Edwards as well, which is extremely impressive. Um, but uh, I'm very happy. Carl Anthony Towns, once again, is having another stellar season. But at, now... 
it's become his success has become the Timberwolves success. And that's some, that's a disconnect that we always used to see beforehand. What Cat was always uh, criticized for before, especially with his beef with Embiid. Embiid has always been a part of winning squads, no matter what. Carl Anthony Towns is the only season I'd say, arguably um, where he actually might make a little dent, you know, in the, in the Western conference. I won't, I wouldn't really want to face this team right now. D'Lo looks really good right now as well. So, um, Kudos to the Timberwolves. You got you pulled it together, um, and uh, you're you're gonna make playoffs this year. I have, I have no doubt. Yeah, this is a great point because you know what kind of ticked me off was, and if we can do this comparison is Anthony Davis because he had the same kind of criticisms. You, you you don't win this and that. Then he gets moved to you know a solid Lakers team. Uh, obviously, they're not doing well this year. They win a championship, and all of a sudden, he's considered one of the best players in the league. People had him as a top five player in the league. Going back now, like in obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but who do you like? Cat, in my opinion, is a better player than Anthony Davis. Ooh, that's a bold statement. Um, yeah, if I'm starting a franchise, I'll choose Cat over Anthony Davis. I think what Anthony Davis does for you per minute is scary, and I think that's the thing. Um, Cat is an Iron Man. That's why we always, I always, I like choosing him in fantasy whenever I have the opportunity to. And I think in our co-op league, excuse me. Now we're gonna get to fantasy, by the way, because things are heating up right now. Well, just give us give us ten more minutes. We're gonna get into that, right? So, um, um, cat though. Cat's always yeah. Cat's always been an Iron Man. He plays every game. He's dependable. Whereas Anthony Davis is not dependable at all. Constantly gets injured. He doesn't look like he's gonna have a very long career. But his per minute production is one of the craziest you will ever see. Not that I've done any solid research on cats per minute, but Anthony Davis on his averages are just, it's silly what this man can do. But I think that's probably contributing to his injuries. Um, but yeah, again, that said, if I'm starting a franchise, I'm choosing cat over Anthony Davis. Any day yeah. Day. And I think, I think again, my point was just the fact that Anthony Davis by all accounts never really led a team, right? Like, and that's the pro that's the knock on Carl Anthony towns is that, Oh, he hasn't had success in the playoffs, this and that. Well, if you put um, if you put Anthony Davis in the same situation, and I'm not talking about playing with LeBron James, I'm talking about if he was still in New Orleans, it was he going to have this you know the same success that he had with the Lakers? Definitely not. And then are we talking about whether he's a top five player then? Probably not. Um, so that's kind of my knock on on that criticism of of Carl Anthony Towns when when people say that. Um, and I'm like you said, I'm super happy that this year you're right. His success is the Timberwolves' success. Um, and what a solid team, man. When you have D'Lo and Anthony Edwards who can both light it up, and I've seen both of them light it up. Like, uh, you know, they're not as consistent as uh, superstars, but they can have nights where they just take over, and it's incredible. And then obviously, Carl Anthony Towns always is going to give you a good game uh, day in and day out. And you got Patrick Beverly as a backup who really, uh, again, defensively anchors and is a leader on that second squad on the, on the team as a whole. Uh, so they made Timberwolves made some good moves, um, small moves, albeit, and obviously drafts, but uh, they're they they're headed in the right direction. Yeah, I like it. I like what I see from them, and um, it's gonna be an awesome playoffs. I think we talked about this last week, but you know, when you have a play-ins for both sides, one is you know you're either gonna face the Brooklyn Nets, or you're on the other side you're gonna face the Los Angeles Lakers with. Uh, with hopefully Anthony Davis, that's a you know that's a that's a tough pill to swallow, but it's going to be a really good test for the Timberwolves. 
Um, and to be honest, they're actually not far off from that sixth spot um, from Denver. I think they're only about a game and a half behind Denver right now. So if they continue to surge like they have been, who knows? Okay, a couple of uh, last things about the Western Conference here. Uh, so get this. Well, obviously, uh, Portland has just shut down. Well, it looks like they shut down Anthony Simons. Uh, so it looks like they're in full tank mode. But they're only a half a game behind the New Orleans Pelicans uh, for that 10th play-in spot. What do you do if you're New Orleans in this position? I don't. I have not the slightest idea what you do. I mean, the Spurs are still below you, which technically means you're a better team than the Spurs. Uh, for both New Orleans and um, Portland to tank, Spurs would probably be the likely team to overtake. But I think if you're the Spurs, you want to get that draft pick for next year. They're probably wanting to tank as well. So it's almost like yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to out-tank the tank. But it sounded like uh, you know before the All-Star break that New Orleans were, or sorry, before the trade deadline, that they were going to be buyers and that they actually wanted to compete for that playing spot. And to be fair, they do have some injuries with uh, Ingram out. Um, so, you know, if they manage to get Ingram in, and I will say a step further, if they manage to get Zion Williamson back, could they make some noise in the playoffs? Yeah, they could definitely make some noise. I think Zion is still an elite level player, even if he's taking this much time off. Usually I hesitate to say uh, players coming back from injury or long breaks can come back and you know, dominate, but I think Zion has it in him to do it. He's still pretty young and he's had a whole year off to, you know, not put stress on his feet or whatever. Um, He could very well show up in the play-ins or show up in the first round of the playoffs should he feel like it Um, and cause, and uh, people will take notice. Teams will be afraid and plans change and scouting changes, everything changes. So yeah, Zion's one of those guys that could make a big difference. And that would be a pretty solid lineup. You know, you got CJ McCollum, Anthony, uh, Anthony. Uh, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Williamson, all Valanciunas. Oh, Valanciunas as well, who kind of slowed down recently, but obviously we know what he's capable of, and he, apparently he's an elite three-point shooter now too. So, right. <laughs> got to be careful there. But they have yeah, a good team. They have a good team by all accounts. That, that is a great team, but uh, yeah, it, it's just such a weird situation to be that good, and yet you're half a game ahead of Portland for the tenth spot. It's almost like you know what. Maybe we should tank and get, you know, that one extra draft pick and next year just retool. Yeah. But, yeah, that that's uh, the West is a crazy one. Um, I think the playoffs this year is just going to be incredible. I don't think we've seen such parity in the NBA for a long, long time. Uh, before we end off the NBA side of this WrestleBall podcast, because obviously we do talk about wrestling on the WrestleBall podcast, um, Mark, you want to talk about fantasy a little bit here? Yeah, we're um, it's getting pretty dicey in our competitive league. Um, basically, we have two teams outside of the uh, top six. So top six make playoffs. So we have eight teams that are above 500 by a good amount. Two of those teams won't make it. Uh, I'm currently in fifth. Uh, Joe's currently in first. Joe's brother, who's also playing with us, is in seventh. So we're all trying to get him in. Um, Joe's facing the second place team who I faced last week and I beat him 7-2 so he didn't get many wins Joe's currently beating him 8-1 and we need to keep it like that 
for his brother basically to make it in. His brother has to win only by 5-4 in order for us to knock that, or for Joe to knock that second place team right out of the playoffs. But which yeah, is our like goal. if we want to talk about how close this this league has been, probably the closest I've ever been in. Um, it's one of the most competitive yeah, leagues. Yeah. Seeds two through seven are separated by four points. Yeah. Four points in the final week. Everything comes down to this final final week. We're gonna see some shuffles. Like I'm pretty sure Mark has a good chance of making uh, making that second seed, getting that first round by. It's really gonna be a crazy, crazy uh, ending to this season. And uh, I would love to play a spoiler and drop the second place guy out of the playoffs. That would be great. Um, but it's it's close. Everything's close right now. Um, it's been a crazy kind of end to the season too, because guys are sitting now. You had a lot of uh, guys who were out this week. I had a few guys. The guy I'm facing had a few guys. Um, so no one team has really been healthy this year. So, well, I mean, they were healthy. They weren't healthy at the beginning of the season. Then they were healthy toward the All Star break, and then right after the All Star break, it started happening again. So, um, we might see a resurgence during like maybe the semifinals or finals in fantasy playoffs of the players that have been out. Uh, but as it stands right now, there's like it's injury city right now, and the waiver wires are becoming thin. So oh, so thin. It's becoming, uh, uh, <laughs> tricky. Uh, what's his name? Isaiah Jackson? Is that his name? Ijax. Yeah. yeah. I Jackson. My God. Someone spent $11 to get him. 15. Is was it 15? I think it was 11. Oh, 11, maybe 11. I think it was 11 bucks. But regardless, that's like a 2 or $3 player right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's how crazy the, the waiver wire is. So we'll let you guys know next week exactly how this fantasy turns out. Uh, who knows what happens? Yep. But, it's um, going to be race to the end. Really We've already is. clinched in, in our co-op league where we both co-manage. Uh, but... Um, that one's not as competitive. I think the basically the six has been basically the same six has been for the last few months or you know a month or two. Uh, our team is like stellar. Jason Tatum and Carl Anthony Towns, who we both have, we chose Carl Anthony Town tenth and Jason Tatum second in the second round. Both top five players right now, so uh, we're not too 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 worried. We still got Dylan Brooks coming off IL. Rocco is on IL, and we picked up t- tremendous players. We picked up Ijax as well. So I'm I think I'm. I don't want to be cocky. I'm really confident in this co-op team. Obviously, things could fall apart and we could lose, but that would be more so like by coincidence than anything else. By all accounts, this is the team to beat. Such a good co-op team. I don't even think like my competitive team could beat it. Joe's team might be able to just because he has LeBron, Fred Van Fleet, and Jokic, which is like a huge, crazy good core to have. Uh, but like, just no, I agree like, with you. No, that this co-op, co-op team is team so is, scary. It, it, it came down to the pickups too. We managed to get Kyle Lowry off of waivers. Yeah. So I will. I'll. I'll, I'll uh... Yeah. While you pull up that roster, uh, the one thing I wanted to mention about that co-op team is just that I'm pissed that we're not going to get that first round by. <laughs> yeah, and that's the odd part is we're third place. We we're trying to get that second. Trying to get a by, but. It's not, we're not going to get it. We're not entirely sure why because we've looked at the team and we're not sure how their teams are doing so well. But we completely obliterated them when we faced them the last two weeks. We faced the first place team, the second place team, the third place team. We're now the third place team and we obliterated it. So it is what it is. And we're currently up 7-2 um, on like the ninth place team, which doesn't matter. It was more so for us. So the team um, that I'm looking at right now in no particular order is Tyrese Maxley, Maxey from Philadelphia, who's doing a lot better with James pick up, Harden by there. The way. Pick up Jordan Clarkson drafted, Kyle Lowry pick up, uh, Terrence Mann, who we just picked up yesterday. Jason Tatum was a second round pick. Scotty Barnes, who was a pickup at the beginning of the season. Ijax, who was a pickup recently, I think a few days ago. 
Uh, DeAndre Aiden, which is our third pick, who we weren't so happy with. But anyway, he's doing what he needs to do. But he's definitely not a third-round pick anymore based off all the talent that's come on. And also the guys that may not be first-round picks because they're pseudo-first-round picks because of the games that they miss. Uh, Alex Caruso, um, who we picked up yesterday, who has been injured most of the season. Um, on a note, uh, uh, Grayson Allen said he apologized, but uh, uh, Alex Caruso said he did not apologize. He's a so phony. He might be a phony. Gary Trent Jr., who's been a great pickup for us all season. Um, he, we picked him up basically the first week that uh, fantasy started. Pascal Siakam was our seventh-round pick, who's giving us third-round value. Carl Anthony Towns, which was our first-round pick, giving us you know top three value or top four value, currently ranked third. Um, Dylan Brooks, who's still IL, Ro- Roko, who's IL, and Brandon Ingram, who's IL. Like, yeah, and, and so you're probably hearing some of those names and you're thinking, oh, your team can't be that good if you have Terrence Mann and, and Ijax. But you got to remember, these are just temporary. Yeah. Really, those guys are going to be replaced by Brandon Ingram, yeah. uh, Dylan Brooks, or Roko. and Roko, who's been uh, like a top stellar, 50, top 60 player this year. Stellar player since uh, being traded away yeah. from Portland. Just. Yeah. Giving the Clippers exactly what they need. Well, so. with Norman Powell out too, like he's, yeah. he's had to step up as well. So, yeah, just remember, those guys are going to be off our team and it's literally going to be all guys you, you can't even drop. So that, that could be actually a detriment because, you know, in the final week we're going to have to do some streaming. But uh, we'll get there when we get there. Hopefully we can make it to the finals. I don't want to, you know, count it just yet. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very confident with this team going in. Um. Yeah, let's move on over to the wrestling talk now. Uh, last week's Dynamite, or I guess I should say this past week's Dynamite, was a lot of... like I, I didn't personally enjoy the Dynamite just because the matches and stuff weren't that great. Um, but a lot of stuff happened, like almost pay-per-view worthy stuff, which is crazy because on, on what was it, Revolution that past Sunday, not really many title changes or any title changes or anything like that. But on this Dynamite, we'll start off at the beginning... Jericho turns his back on the inner circle, or at least uh, Santana or Ortiz, and he creates this Jericho Appreciation Society with um, Daniel Garcia, the love child of AEW, Daniel <laughs> Garcia and 2.0. Uh, no, I was not a fan of this just because they literally just copied exactly what they did when they first made the inner circle, the whole middle fingers to the camera, this and that, like. I don't know, man. Were you a fan of this little storyline change here? I guess so. I think I was only because Jericho was getting stale. Inner Circle was definitely getting stale. Um, clearly, Sammy wants to do his own thing. Um, Santana and Ortiz were with... Um, it looks like they're going to be more with Eddie Kingston. I like the Eddie Kingston thing. I like the fact that Jericho came out and said, I want to shake your hand. I like the tension they have between the two of them. That So I think with that said, if you got Daniel Garcia with 2.0 and Jack Hager with Chris Jericho to make the new Inner Circle... Um, it's going to leave uh, Eddie Kingston and uh, Santana Ortiz to fend for themselves. And, you know, being those New Yorker guys that they kind of are, it might be a little fun tussle. They probably get beat up a lot, but they probably bring a fight as well. I think this dynamite shuck everything up in the organization, um, probably because things are getting a little stale. Um, I'm not really a fan of Daniel Garcia, but AEW is really big on him. So, is, you know, he's had big matches with Daniel Bryan and stuff like that. So they're really big on Daniel Garcia because he looks like a tactician, tech, I guess a wrestling mat technician, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm not too big on him myself. Uh, but uh, if you're going to give Jericho some juice, he's really good as a heel. And this might be the he way He is good it. as a heel. And don't get me wrong, I love him as a heel. But uh, just Jericho Appreciation Society, like, 
that's just the inner circle. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. I, I do like, they probably will have a good feud with, um, sorry, uh, Santana Ortiz and, uh, Kofi Eddie, Kingston. <laughs> Eddie Kingston, yeah. Eddie Kingston. Uh, so that'll be good. Um, Sammy G's obviously doing his own thing. Can we both admit that was terrible? Yeah, it was cringy, man. Uh, one of the worst matches I'm not, I've ever get, seen I in my life. Into, okay, I'm going to get into personal stuff here, along with the professional stuff here. Uh, Scorpio Sky winning was great, but... Worst way to win. Worst way to win. Um, especially the way they did it with Paige Van Zandt signing, with Tay Conte coming out to help Sammy Guevara. And I, I'll talk a little bit of personal life now. Um, you just broke off an engagement, and Tay Conte's jumping out of your body like that. Like, it's probably not good. Well, PR the other right thing, now. too, is you're talking about Tay Conte, who was like recently a contender for the, the title, you know, and having big matches. And all of a sudden, she's just your, you know, your, 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 uh, your Bonnie to your Clyde now. Like, yeah. What the heck? And 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 again, it's you're right. It's it was so cringy watching her like, oh no, my ribs. And they spent way too long on it. He must have been outside of that ring for like ten minutes. All of a sudden, oh okay, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm back in it. And and that whole match, these guys both can put on a good match, and they decided to do a match like this where he basically just beats himself by doing uh, flips that he shouldn't have done, <laughs> and and hurting himself. Yeah, uh, I haven't been really big on Sammy Guevara for like a while, so. Just continue on with this noise, <laughs> right? I mean, uh, I hope Scorpio Sky does something with his title reign. I'm not really liking the Don, uh, not Don Callis. What's his name? Um, yeah, the um, the MMA dude, ATT guy. But uh, uh, shoot, what is it? Dan Dan Lambert. Dan Lambert. Yeah. But let's see what he does. They were obviously excited. Um, the last time Scorpio Sky got a TNT title shot, I believe, was last year at the exact, more or less, the exact same time, and he lost. So that's what T. Um, that's why Tony Khan had said that it had been in the works and the plans a while for Scorpio to have the belt. So I'm like, sure, that's that's fine. Um, and I'm not surprised by that. Scorpio Sky was one of, well, obviously, is an AEW original, but also like they pushed him really heavily in the, at the beginning, right? Like he he had yeah. a TNT title fight against Cody. But he, he was good. I was a big fan of his. Yeah. Um, and I knew that he was going to win a title. I just didn't want him to win it this way. Yeah. So it is what it is. There. Yeah. It wasn't very good. It was terrible. And if they do like Ty Conti versus Paige Van Zandt, like why? Who which cares? They're like, which you're probably going to do. But I don't think it's going to be a pay-per-view match. No, it won't be a pay-per-view match. Yeah. But and that's, yeah. a, that's a saving grace with AEW. Not everything becomes a pay-per-view match. Like WWE, as soon as they got like one pseudo star, like right now it's Jake Paul or one of the Pauls. Like they're just piping that up for The Miz at WrestleMania. But The yes. Miz is the celebrity thing. I, right? I think so. it's uh, his brother Logan, Logan Paul. Yeah, but regardless, anyway. who cares, right? <laughs> yeah, so we can both agree that that whole segment was just terrible. But, you know, congrats on to Scorpio Sky. Uh, definitely deserves to have a title run. Uh, you know, do I want to see it this way? Probably not, but they still have time to, to right this ship. Um, the Probably one of the biggest things that happened that night do, do, do. Well, I don't mean how to do the song. <laughs> I can't do it either. I can't even do it, right? Dun, 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 but Jeff Hardy is all elite. Um, man, like... Things are about to get broken. If things are about to get crazy. Like, I think we all knew that Jeff Hardy was headed that way, especially with his departure from the WWE. But, um, I mean, I'm excited, man. Yeah, it looks like Darby's excited because those are Jeff Hardy's probably one of his biggest idols as well. So that's good. I think a lot of the guys, a lot of people's idols are Jeff Hardy. Let's be real. Jeff Hardy's a huge fan favorite. Um, 
he was, you know, he does the face paint, he does the high flying, he does the high risk maneuvers, etc., etc., etc. I think he had like 1.4 million views on YouTube the next day that he had, you know, shown up there. Um, the Hardy family value nonsense group is done. It's now Andrade's group now. So he's going to be a Hardy boy now. Um, I think what we'll see at the next pay-per-view in three months is probably most likely Sting and Darby versus the Hardy boys. Most likely, maybe not. Um, Young Bucks also wrote something on their Twitter saying that, yeah, a great tag team showed up, but we're a better tag. Something like along those lines. Young Bucks versus Hardy is another like wet dream kind of match. Oof. FTR Hardy is a wet dream kind of match. I mean, you have so many tag teams there, not including Lucha, uh, Luchasaurus and uh, Jungle Bitch. Um <laughs> I'm not excited to see them fight the Hardy Boys. I'm not excited about that tag team in general. As good as they look on TV, a lot of people said that they stole the show at Revolution, and I'm not denying that either, but it's just well, such I a mean, strange... They're good wrestlers, but uh, you know, you need a little charisma as well, and, and we all know that uh, Luchasaurus has absolutely zero charisma. I don't even know if he ever, ever does promos, but uh, and we really haven't seen... Like you said, you feel like Jungle Boy has almost just taken on a, a Christian-like facade which is kind of weird. Um, I like them better when Marco Stunt, Marco was, Stunt was around. Yeah. I like them better too. I thought they were dead, their own personality. Yes. I don't know. Um, it is what it is again. Like you said, it's, it's a Christian copycat and it's not really fun for us, but maybe that's what they want too. Right. So, uh, but again, I don't know what I'd want from what I expect or want from jungle boy. Like I, I know his dad was Jack Perry. Uh, sorry. He's Jack Perry's dad was, a. Uh, uh, an actor so i mean i i don't see why your acting why the acting skills sort of didn't like sort of at least a little bit line up there well they the thing too is like they never really gave him a chance because he's still stuck in this tag team right like maybe he needs to cut loose go singles yeah which well, is think... almost like he he had a point where it looked like he was gonna go singles yeah, but yeah i don't know yeah, what yeah. happened there i don't know what happened there i think probably too much talent coming into aew and they're just going to wait. Because I, th- I still think the first... So the first guy to win a championship, like the heavyweight championship, it'll be either MJF, which is probably like 80%. And the 20% would give to Darby. Yes. Sarby, uh, Sammy's at the end. And um, Jungle Boy is like a little above Sammy right now. Honestly, I, I, I would say neither of those two are even pillars anymore. Yeah. To be so, honest. Like if we're talking about pillars, guys who we think are going to be the face of the company, I can't see Sammy G or... Or uh, Jungle Boy being the face of the company ever. Yeah, uh, I see them as Miz type. Maybe they're gonna be yeah. solid mid carters, and they, and again, even Miz is like on another level in terms of where he's cemented himself in the company. But yeah. well, he works with celebrities. It's, it's such a fun gig at the same time because you're meeting <laughs> people, you're involved with Hollywood. It's part of your, um, it's part of your gimmick or your kayfabe. It's perfect. You bring. You bring you bring celebrities in for WrestleMania, and you get them to work with the Miz. It's a it's such a great job for the Miz. Oh man, well uh, that's what I'm saying. Like Miz has is almost a unique role because he's like the ultimate mid Carter, but with the stardom of a top level guy. So, and do I see Jungle Boy or Sammy G getting to that level? No, no. I can't. I can't, especially when Sammy G is doing like corny stuff like this, and Jungle Boy just doesn't have a personality apparently. Um, and I don't want to shit on these guys because they are good wrestlers. Like Sammy G is one of my favorite in-ring wrestlers. Like he never has a bad match, but I, like, I haven't seen a good promo from him in a, in a long time. Um, moving on though, uh, 
so Jeff Hardy's, uh, you know, not return, but entrance into the AEW is going to shake things up. I think uh, Young Bucks had a little bit of a scuffle. Not really a scuffle, but you saw that little promo that they did with uh, uh, Adam Cole, baby, where, he, where he's choosing who his tag team yeah. partners are going to be. Right. So uh, does it look like we're going to get a little break in the feud there or is that going to be a longstanding thing? I think the I think for Adam Cole and Adam Page. No, no, no. Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. Oh, because uh, it looked like remember he was he was saying, "Oh, I, I, I'm going to choose guys who were my best friends from back in the day." And Young Bucks were kind of like, "Yeah, we're out, man. We don't want to be in this." It's like, "Oh, I wasn't going to choose you anyway." Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it might be a little because he ended up choosing Red Dragon. Yeah, he chose Red Dragon. So yeah, so um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Hangman chose the Bucks. Oh man, because, I did not even think about that. Hangman, because Hangman met with the Dark Order, and they're like, "Oh, you know, I want to apologize to you guys, whatever." And then John Silver is like, "All right, great. Now you got to choose a tag team." So I, we're thinking like me and him, and he's like, "I think I want to choose someone." Ooh, I didn't yeah. even think about so it that. Looks like the, yeah, it looks like the break in the uh, little um, Adam Cole Bay Bay crew the, is gonna Adam gonna happen. Adam, Adam versus Adam Cruz. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, let's end off. Uh, this podcast here a couple things uh, i want to just mention shouts out to biggie hopefully he gets better i uh, had a broken neck um how reckless of wwe to put a fucking rookie yeah so a uh, wrestler oh, nxt challenge. wrestler got called up by the name of ridge holland gives him a a i guess belly to belly over the head belly to belly yeah, yeah over the head belly to belly outside and he completely just lands on his head slash neck and it looked bad um good thing it was i think it was fractured two fractures to two of his vertebrae uh, but nothing else no spinal cord injuries or anything like that no so, surgery yeah no surgery which is huge but i mean how reckless of the wwe yep like nothing more to say i didn't even know who, the guy's name i thought it was bobby Roode at first and i'm like why would bobby Roode do a, <laughs> you know do a suplex of that nature on a guy like biggie but then you you know you clarified it to me and when you told me the name i was like i don't even know this guy and you're letting him suplex this guy around. Obviously, Biggie's not upset. Obviously, the guy feels terrible. Obviously, you don't shit on the guy because apparently a lot of people are shitting on the guy. Biggie's obviously gonna forgive him. It's a mistake. No one means for these things to happen. But really careless of WWE, you know, to allow this guy to do something like that. I mean, obviously, WWE doesn't control every single move. But, but come on, yeah. it's like I would liken it to because he also had a if you look at the 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 forums the Reddit uh, specifically they they talked about he had a, a near miss with um, Johnny Gargano I think it was last year where he kind of like power slammed him onto his neck um, so it's kind of like I know he's not trying to be reckless but WWE is the same company that allowed Nia Jax to go out there day in and day out and do her thing even though we knew we knew that she she was going to hurt somebody and she did she hurt a lot of people many times <laughs> yeah. yeah so i don't know man how do you call up a guy from NXT and let him do a move like that to biggie so uh that's a tough one um so uh yeah hope well wishes to biggie hopefully he gets better and another um legend scott hull is apparently uh fighting for his life right now he is on um life, life support, support. Apparently he had a hip surgery and complications from it and ended up having three heart attacks uh, yesterday. So, um, And it's so sad to see because he really turned his life around uh, with uh, DDP. Um, so hopefully he can get past this. And, you know, again, our, our, our well wishes from the Russell Ball podcast to him. 
Um, before we move on to what I'm going to call our famous last question segments, uh, Mark, anything else you want to touch on wrestling basketball? Um, no, it's just going to be interesting to see how the basketball sort of plays out. And um, in regards to wrestling, the next big thing is WrestleMania. Two nights spectacular, stupendous, extremely important to say adjectives a hundred times. Like, okay, it is, it's, it'll be a little interesting. Um, got Brock versus, you know, Reigns again for the hundredth time. So that'll be uh, coming up soon in April. Uh, so that should be a little interesting, but I don't know how interesting. Well, I mean, you and I have not been keeping up with WWE. We just kind of like, like you said, I think you said it a couple podcasts ago, but all you need to do is watch YouTube and, and you can catch up on WWE just like that. Their show is really so much filler. Whereas AW, do you want to watch it live? Oh my God. It's crazy. Cause I try to skip through stuff cause I don't have time to watch the whole thing, but but it's hard. Like I want to watch the whole Jericho segment. Then I want to watch the whole Sammy G match because I already knew that uh, Scorpio Sky was going to win. And I just wanted to see how, and obviously it wasn't how I wanted it, but I had to watch it still. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get to what I'm going to call our famous last question segment where I'm just going to pick a couple of random questions and uh, we're going to give you some you know, fun answers to them. So in this week's uh, question, the themes are going to be switching it up. So first question, Mark, um, if you could choose an NBA player to go into wrestling, who would it be? I would choose Joel Embiid. Seems a, he seems to have the good troll job going on. He'd be a perfect heel in that regard. And uh, he seems to have the attitude. And obviously the body, a seven-foot body going in there probably messed some guys up. So I'm going to go with Joel Embiid. Shoot, that is a great answer. I actually switched up my answer too. I'm going to go with uh, Patrick Beverly for Patrick similar Beverly. reasons. I think he's the ultimate troll as well. Yeah. Um, and, and he wrestles dirty. Like <laughs> I think he could be a good promo. I could see him being so like... Uh, I could see him being like um, Pat McAfee. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to have a match, by the way. At Mania, yeah. yeah. Uh, Apparently uh, Vince is going to be involved. I'm sure he is. He might have a heart attack. That man better be careful. Yeah. So, um, okay. Good. No, nice one. Uh, let's move on to the flip side. If you could choose a wrestler to go into the NBA, what do you got? Um, I'm going to choose... Any wrestler, by the way. Probably because I don't know the limit. Oh, you know who I choose? Um, oh, man. Who's a 24-7 champ? Uh, the flippy guy. That guy might be interesting because he got hops, eh? Um, Ooh, yeah. I'm not sure who the 24 champ is right now. Okay, so while you look that up, I'll give my answer here. I'm going to go with Big Cass. I think uh, he's played a little ball back in the day and obviously tall guy and uh, not just tall and fat. So he could probably be pretty mobile on the court. Uh, so I like Big Cass going into the NBA. Um, did you find out who you're looking for? Reggie. Reggie, Reginald, name, Reggie. Reginald yeah. yes, wasn't he like a former um, gymnast? He used, he used to be a circ. Yeah, I think he was a gymnast. I think he's been in the circus. Yeah, he does a lot of flippy stuff. I think he'd have a lot of hops, mm. and I think his uh, I think his eye- hand-eye coordination, his eye coordination, his reflexes and whatnot will work perfectly in the NBA. He's a little on the shorter side, but I don't see why not. That's 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 cool. how many how many guys you can how many guys in the NBA can do like backflips. Yeah, stuff, no, right? fair enough. Let's get him in the slam dunk contest. Oh, how yeah. about that? Yeah. Uh, especially after this last one, he could definitely win. Yeah. <laughs> especially after this last one. All right, one last question here. Um, which NBA team do you think best represents one the WWE and two AEW? 
Lakers are WWE. 100%. I agree with you there. And then you said AEW? Yes. AEW is going to be like Shy Guild SGA. Oh, and the Oklahoma City Thunder? Yeah, okay. So, oh, that was supposed to choose a team, right? Team, yes. Uh, I would go okay, Grizzlies probably. Actually. I'm going Grizzlies too, so we're on the same yeah, wavelength here. Yes, yeah. Lakers and Grizzlies. I think if you had that matchup too, everyone's rooting for the Grizzlies. And it's small market versus big market, so it's <laughs> yeah. almost perfect. But yeah, I would go that way. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, that's solid. So that is it for the Russell Ball podcast. Um, we'll be here next week and... Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have some updates on the fantasy because even I'm sitting here, I'm ready to check my phone. I want to see what's going on. Uh, so as always, uh, you've been listening to the Rest of Ball podcast. Mark. Zero. Manero.